0: Hello and welcome to the Smart Karma Podcast. I'm Michael Tegos. Every week on the podcast, we share a presentation and discussion from our webinar Wednesdays when we sit down with Smart Karma insight providers and selected experts from around the world to break down the key topics you care about in Asia's markets. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and so on. Thank you for being with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another webinar Wednesday by Smart Karma. I'm Michael Tegos. And today I'm excited to be joined once again by Vium Malin, who will share an updated view on key IT services companies in India, such as Tata Consultancy, Infosys, Ypro, and HCL Technologies. Vium is a global equity analyst with uh, more than 13 years of experience on the buy side covering companies in emerging and developed markets. He specializes in fundamental and quantitative analysis on companies in the internet, telecommunication, media, technology, IT services, healthcare, pharmaceutical, and other industrial sectors. Vium, welcome uh, once again. It's very good to have you with us. The floor is yours.
1: Oh, well, thanks, Michael. Thanks for that introduction. Appreciate that. And thank you to everyone who's joining today. As Michael said, we are gonna talk once again about the Indian IT services companies and what's been the recent developments there and what the outlook is and sort of what my picks and pans are over the medium to longer term. Um, So just as a little bit of background uh, to set up the analysis. um, So as Michael quickly alluded to, we're gonna talk about Tata Consultancy Services, Infosys, HCL Technologies and Wipro. And just as background, when we last did the webinar in August, I gave a detailed industry overview. We looked at the competitive advantages of the companies, their relative geographic and vertical exposures and how that differs between the companies. We looked at their financial fundamentals, the corporate governance situations, and also the differences in ownership and management dynamics. And then finally, we looked at some of the shareholder return policies and practices and the issues around H1B visas at that time. So for more detail on that, I would urge you to look at the previous webinar and some of the other insights that I have put out. My conclusions at that time, around six months ago, was that I was getting overall less bullish on the sector following really strong share price performance um, since their lows in March 2020. Um, But I was still bullish longer term, given the high quality of the companies, their competitive advantages, big potential for cash returns, and especially in a low interest rate environment. So at that time, uh, my picks in order of preference was, first of all, for HCL Technologies, uh, given the evolution to more software as a service offerings, recovering returns following a lot of acquisitions done earlier. There was valuation support, and we were in the beginning of an earnings upgrade cycle. That, that didn't play out really well, which I'll show on the next slide. Um, and the company has disappointed somewhat operationally over the last couple of quarters. Uh, my following pick was for Wipro, um, given their large cash balance, their relatively low next cash next, next 12 months P ratio, um, and the big discount type of trading versus the other companies. And then that did play out really well as we saw a lot of cash returns and buybacks coming through from the company and they've executed well on a turnaround strategy which I'll touch on a bit later as well. Um, Then lastly with the companies I didn't really like at the time was Infosys and Tata Consultancy and those have underperformed over the last six months. Um, Infosys really had excellent execution at the time and there was corporate governance overhang removed but they had already outperformed and Tata Consultancy Services, although they remain the best in class, uh, the valuation premium was just too much and they were underperforming on a relative basis. So then this week I published an update on this industry, which I urge you to have a look at, which shows more detail about what we're discussing today. It's called Indian IT Services, is a multi-year hyper-growth because that they've had is whether we are still in the early stage of a multi-year hyper-growth scenario, and also whether that might already be priced in. So just quickly looking at what's happened over the last six months in terms of share price performance, the clear outperformer has been Wipro, um, especially with the the green line there, especially since the results were released earlier in, in the month or last month. And the other stocks really performing in line with the local equity indices, so nothing really to write home about. Um, We've seen some underperformance from Tata Consultancy and Infosys, and then especially HCL Technologies following the most recent reporting period. Which brings us to where the valuations are today. So if you look at next 12 month PE ratios, it's still Tata Consultancy Services, the best in class company commanding the highest PE ratio. Um, But the real standout here is Wipro that's re-rated significantly this year. And is now trading at the premium to even the likes of Infosys, whilst HL Technology, especially with the recent sell-off and earnings downgrades that's come through, has derated and is now trading at sort of an all-time big uh, discount to the likes of wipro which is it all, which it is often compared against. So, what happened in the results? So, just looking at the last sort of year. And these are the group constant currency revenue growth numbers. So that's stock line and constant currency. First of all, we can see that there's been a meaningful growth acceleration over the last couple of quarters from all these companies as they've come out of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic hit first part of last year. Um, so on relatively easy comps, the companies have accelerated growth. So if we remember COVID-19 hit sort of in uh, January last year. Um, with the first quarter affected somewhat. I do expect really strong growth numbers for the coming quarter to end of June, given that the trough impact was really around June 2020 um, for these companies last year. Looking at the relative performance of the companies, it was again infosys to deliver the best performance. They've got a really strong performance and a turnaround performance in especially their financial services businesses based in the North American region. Tata Consultancy Services continue to accelerate their growth. HL Technologies is disappointed, um, especially um, in Europe, given a relatively higher base that they have um, due to acquisitions that were fully sort of worked in by, a year ago. And then Wipro, although the number is the lowest of the ones here, that was really a standout performance versus market expectations, especially because they managed to add a lot of large new signings and with the change in CEO about a year ago, there's been restructuring on the management team side and it seems like they've done that really well uh, and, and their outlook for growth is definitely improving. So there's a nice turnaround story, which has been reflected in the share price movements of late. Looking at the operating margins, we can see that towards the end of the previous financial year, there was big margin accretion for all these companies now a lot of that was due to cost deferrals during the pandemic uh, hit last year. Um, so a lot of the discretionary costs like travel and visa expenses and especially wage hikes were deferred to later periods. And in the most recent quarter, we saw the early signs of costs returning to some form of normalcy. So for all the companies, apart from Tata Consultancy Services, we did see some margin pressure. A lot of them instituted wage hikes towards the end of the last financial year, um, and I think they all will see further margin pressure going forward, and the management teams have alluded to this, given that they're returning to normal wage hikes somewhere between April and July this year. It's also worthwhile noting that these companies have been operating at really high utilisation levels um, due to low hiring activity last year. Now, hiring activity has picked up, Um, The attrition levels are still relatively low for most of them, but I do think we'll see an impact to margins from that normalizing going into the next couple of quarters. So we should see really strong numbers in revenue growth next quarter. I do expect some margin pressure, which could be a headwind um, if you're not anticipated by the market. Which leads me to where sell-side expectations currently are, so you can see. Over the last six months, the earnings upgrade cycle has continued for all the companies and it's only really HCL Technologies which disappointed in the last reporting period, especially giving a rather muted outlook for growth and we've seen earnings downgrades coming through there. But for all the other companies, the earnings upgrades have continued. Which brings me to sort of the analysis of what I think the key controversy is currently. So all the management teams alluded to double-digit revenue growth for the coming year. Now, that is a very big acceleration from what they've done over the last sort of five plus years, but it is very achievable off the relatively low base set last year. So what I've tried to do is gauge where market expectations are before we look at sort of what valuations mean. So on this chart, I've looked, first of all, on the blue chart, what the past three years compound annual growth in revenue and constant currency has been. And we can see the acceleration that's happened now looking at sell side expectations for the next financial year, which are the red bars there. Just one caveat there if you look at HL Technologies, uh, past three years, compound annual growth that is distorted by acquisitions. I estimate that organic growth will probably be around 6% less than the number shown there. So, still very nice acceleration. Also, then comparing where the sales side are versus recent management guidance, you can see that the sales side is already well ahead of that. Um, Just also another caveat on the guidance numbers. If you look at TCS and HLT, the green bars, they show 10%. That's just to show that they said double-digit revenue growth. For HL technology, management even went further to say that that really serves as a flaw for their growth. And they do, admittedly they are conservative on that. But again, the message is that the south side expectations are ahead of where management is guiding. But I think then what's more interesting is if you look three years out from now, look at longer-term compound annual growth expectations, they're all well above the double-digit level. So just to frame this in context, the industry over the last five-plus years has been growing globally sort of low single-digit levels, where these guys have been growing high single-digit levels, taking market share, given their competitive advantages. So going from high single digits to really meaningful double-digit growth here yeah, is a very meaningful um, acceleration. If you look at 3 compound numbers, that does imply really strong growth forecast already for the coming sort of three years. Now, to put this into context, I tried to figure out, you know, what happened during the previous hyper-growth periods so that like we've witnessed, and I had to go back to sort of financial year 2011 to 2015 for the various companies to see how they performed then and to look at the relative valuations and see what that tells us. So what's interesting here is you can see during that previous hyper growth period, TCS and Infosys delivered well above 20% compound annual growth, really outperforming the rest of their peers and really gaining a lot of market share. So, that was a very strong performance for them, and that sort of set up the relative fee valuations and the the biases within the valuations in the market for a very long time. Very interesting, then, to note how HL Technologies and WIPRA underperformed relatively versus that period, but still gained global market share. Um, During that period, it needs to be noted that a large part of both Wipro and HL Technologies revenue was driven by infrastructure management services. So, it's a lot more um, hardware. And, and data center type businesses, which did grow a little bit slower than the bread and butter IT services that the other companies delivered more of. Another interesting point to note here is, um, I looked at what the earnings per share compound annual growths were as well. And apart from HL technology, there wasn't a lot of leverage in these companies. Now, granted there are some FX moves in here, but if you look at the operating margins uh, during that period as well, um, there wasn't a lot of operating leverage achieved by the companies, which is kind of counterintuitive because you think with companies like these and the th- hundreds of thousands of employees that they have, uh, which are sort of semi fixed costs, um, it shows that they've been really good at managing those utilization la- levels and turning on and off the taps when it comes to hiring um, and managing attrition levels. Also, these companies built up a lot of cash balances during the period, which sort of negated any possibility for financial leverage. And, you know, HL Technologies, we did see operating leverage. And again, that was because they did a lot more sort of hardware type services or infrastructure management services where they benefited. I think the takeaway of this, comparing it to the current period that we're in, is that uh, it, it really helps by just looking at the revenue um, growth rate expectations going forward and not to expect a lot of operating um, leverage because apart from maybe currency moves or anything strange that happens structurally with the business mix, there is not massive room for operating leverage usually and with the high cash balances that the companies already have, there isn't a lot of room for financial leverage. So then looking at what the P ratios are compared to those growth rates. So first of all, on the left-hand side, you can see the current P ratios, which are definitely significantly higher to what the long-term historical average P ratios for the companies has been, um, which we already know, which indicates that the buy, buy side expectations probably significantly higher than the sell side expectations. And it's also interesting just to look at that versus the previous hypergrowth period. And the current valuations are not only higher than the average valuations during that period, they're also higher than what the peak valuations were during that period for all the companies apart from HL technology. And HL Technologies really is just because of the de-rating we've seen over the last couple of weeks to a month. So I think the two takeaways here is, first of all, when we look at the hypergrowth period, uh, the previous hypergrowth period, there was mean reversion in the multiples. Um, from peak levels, and also if we look at the current valuations, they are higher than the, the peak multiples in, in the previous hyper-growth period. So, you know, all else being equal, I would expect a derating rating of these shares going forward. Then, lastly, what I tried to do was assess where the buy-side expectation or the market's expectations currently are on a three-year growth ratio. And to do this, I assumed that we get a be ratio be reversion back to historical average levels over the next three years and see what the implied EPS growth is. Now, you can see from the bars on the left-hand side there that the implied growth rates for all the companies outside of HL technologies is around 20%, which is meaningful acceleration in growth. That is a big number, um, which also brings questions around whether there really is any operational financial leverage to achieve that. That is... Significantly ahead of where the sell-side forecasts are, but it's also significantly ahead of what they delivered in the previous hypergrowth period. Apart from maybe TCS and HL Technologies, now in the previous growth period there are um, FX numbers in there, but it does show that maybe TCS and HL Technologies does have slight room to surprise on the upside. But for the other ones, the the, the expectations really are very high already. Just the last point to quickly touch upon, and this is, things that, is something that hasn't really been discussed in the market or by the management team yet. It's just because of the late significant resurgence of COVID in India and the terrible situation that they are in at the moment. The impact of this on the Indian IT services companies is obviously very, very difficult to estimate. We um, need to remember that. Um, 90% of their clients are outside of India to a large extent, and so th- it should be business as usual there. However, with the increased onshoring, uh, most of the employees are still in India. Um, we also need to note that these guys were incredibly good at getting more than 95% of all the employees into some form of remote working or uh, work from home situation within weeks after the pandemic hit last year. So, My my gut feels that the impact will be rather muted, but it is definitely a negative for the coming quarter that I think we need to take into account, especially given how high the expectations are um, already for these companies. So then just to sum up before we see if there are any questions, I remain very cautious on the sector, given where the valuations are. Um, These valuations are based on elevated earnings growth expectations and it seems like there's already a multi-year hyper-growth scenario priced in. Um, If I had to choose on a relative basis, I do still prefer HL Technologies despite their recent operational underperformance, but given where the valuation is and what's happening with terms of the growth numbers in the company and the margins, um, I would wait for a better entry point before going long. I think we need to be cautious in terms of near-term from the COVID-19 resurgence in India, and what we've seen in these companies in the past is that if there is any earnings misses the market will punish them severely especially in the local market and we saw that with hl technologies most recently but these guys usually have big um, share price movements if there is any negative surprise then if i had to say where i could be most wrong um, i think If Wipro continue to deliver and surprise with their turnaround story, there could be further share price momentum behind the company, um, even at current valuation levels, especially if they manage to execute well on their upcoming Capco acquisition, which they aim to close in the coming quarter. And if they continue to make large deal wins to uh, accelerate the top line growth.
0: But as I
1: said, at at the current valuation levels, the margin of safety um, is really, really minimal. Um, if they do manage to dis- or if they do end up disappointing on that front. So I think Michael, with that, I'll leave it and we can see if there are any questions.
0: Thank you very much for that, Vim. We have seen that tech investors, especially um, globally, uh, have been hesitant with concerns of rising inflation. Is there an impact to these stocks uh, in your view in this regard?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Michael. So I, th- I think, first of all, operationally, um, there's, there's not a big impact. Uh, a large part of what these companies do is not really big inflationary products. So I don't think it'll operationally have a big impact. But these companies have performed so well last year. And I think a large part of that is because they are more defensive. Um, they do have big cash returns in terms of buybacks and dividends that they pay. Um, and it's really high quality companies. So I think if we do see a continued rotation into the more cyclical stocks as inflation goes up and expectations for rate increases go up in the US, these stocks will continue on a relative basis to be under pressure going forward.
0: Understood. In August, when uh, when last we looked at uh, these companies together, we had briefly mentioned concerns uh, over in the US with the what was then the administrative environment uh, with H-1B visas. Now that the U.S. is under new management, so to speak, I- is it a different situation?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely turned for the positive. I mean, there's been um, more concrete evidence that there's not going to be as much interference by the U.S. administration into the H-1B visa issue. Um, I do think we need to just as background note that there's always a limitation on the amount of visas that are issued every year, and there is a big competition between these companies to get those visas. Um, But what's been more interesting um, in terms of that is not necessarily the the scarcity around H-1B visas and the uncertainty about guys who are already in the US whether their visas will be valid or renewed. It's more with the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen all these guys offshore uh, significantly more. So what that means is that there's a lot more of their workforce based outside of the operations of their clients. So it's more in India and even other geographies that they are hiring. And that's been really positive for margins. And if you see the lingering effects of COVID-19, I mean, you've got the massive resurgence in India of, of of the pandemic, the struggles they're having around vaccinations, And I'm seeing that across all emerging markets, even here in South Africa, we are really, really struggling to get the vaccine rollouts going, which means there's a big difference that's coming between what we're seeing happening in countries like the US and the UK, and maybe even parts of Europe versus these uh, developing nations. And I think um, to have travel return to normalcy and for these guys to move a lot of employees from India back to places like the US or the UK, is going to be very tough. That's going to be the delays. So it's going to be diffi- more difficult to move around the workforce. But on the flip side, um, increased offshoring, if they do manage to keep their relationships really strong with clients and they can do that, it, it really benefits them on, you know, what their key competitive advantage really still is labor arbitrage to a large extent. So, you know, to answer your question, I think the H-1B visa issue has become a bit of a non-issue at the moment. I think it's more about how the pandemic plays out in developed versus developing nations going forward
0: right if if i might follow that up uh, really quickly you mentioned um of course how covid the covid resurgence can uh, have an impact especially with how it's being handled in countries like the us and the uk um what about countries uh, on the on the asian side where we are seeing little heads of, of resurgence uh, here and there across uh, developing and developed markets here. Um, mm. Do you think there's a potential impact there?
1: Yeah, so the, the big dynamic that you need to take into account with these companies is that for most of them, roughly 50% of their revenue comes from the North American region, so the US. And let's say somewhere mm-hmm. between 15 and 30% comes from Europe. And the rest is sort of in bits and pieces. Some of them are trying to grow in the likes of Japan. Um, There's not a lot of demand for for their services in China, because China does a lot of it themselves. So the real demand side is in the US and Europe. And then a large part of the supply is still in India, um, some in-country in the US and Europe, and then some smaller Asian countries that they have employees as well. So I don't think um, the ups and downs we're seeing in places like Korea and Japan, and that will have a massive impact. It will definitely impact the companies at at the margin. Um, But I think the bigger issues would be what happens in India on the supply side and how well the companies manage that um, in terms of their workforce, and
0: then in the US in terms of the demand side. Mm -hmm. Understood, thank you. Uh, An attendee asks, do you have any view on Cognizant Technologies, which is a fairly large player in the Indian IT services space, although it's listed in the U.S.? I guess it's, it's not part of the, the group of companies that you have looked at uh, today, but do you have any view on, on how perhaps it compares?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I, d- I don't have a concrete view. Um, if we take it online, I can, I can talk a little bit about that. I haven't done a detailed analysis of them. I've really focused on the emerging market names. Um, but I know it is a, in terms of valuation levels, a lot of the same dynamics kind of apply to to them as well. But no, I don't have any, anything further concrete to add there.
0: Thank you very much for that. If there are no other questions, we can uh, wrap it up. Thank you very much, VM, for uh, sharing your views today. As VM mentioned, uh, there is considerable work on the Smart Karma platform uh, in this regard. So do uh, seek out. VM's insights uh, on the topic. And uh, also you can revisit the previous webinar that we did in August, 2020. Uh, We will have a link to that as well. If there are any other questions or if you want to follow up on questions with VM, you can reach out to your Smart Karma account manager. They will be very happy to help you and connect you. And if you have any other questions, you can email us at research at smartkarma.com. Vim, thank you very much once again. Thanks, Michael. That's it for this week. If you liked this episode, please share it with your networks and follow Smart Karma on your social media. We're Smart Karma everywhere. And of course, don't forget to visit smartkarma.com for truly independent, differentiated investment research. As always, thank you very much for listening and see you at the next one.